Welcome to Spotlight. I'm Adala Kim, reporting for Private Debt Investor. In this podcast, we're joined by Martin Lechner and Wayne Laskey to discuss Australian commercial real estate lending. Martin is one of the founding partners at CoreCam, a Swiss family office. He heads the firm's operations in Singapore and oversees all the investment activities as chief investment officer. CoreCam specializes in direct investments and has significant exposure to the real estate sector. Wayne is the founder and managing director of MaxCap Group, a Melbourne headquartered commercial real estate lender. The firm has invested since 2007 and its gross IRR since inception is around 15%. Martin starts by explaining how the negative real interest rates seen in many countries have pushed them to diversify investment portfolios. Look, historically, family offices always had a yield clipping component in the fixed income space. Now, after 10 years of QE with interest rates close to zero, flat yield curves, controlled yield curves, negative real interest rates in a lot of global jurisdictions, you hardly find yield in traditional fixed income and bond investments. And for us, real estate debt is a substitute for some of those historic bond and fixed income investments. Wayne recapped that investors are in the lower for longer interest rate environment across the major developed markets. As global investors have been looking for a portfolio diversifier, as well as better yields than what they see in the traditional fixed income space, the firm started to provide quantitative research as to the performance of commercial real estate debt as it relates to investors' portfolios. And so to Martin's point that as we've seen over the past many years now, with the world savers effectively being punished, right, with a low risk-free rate in this lower for longer environment, it's really important to be able to provide quantitative empirical research as to the performance of commercial real estate debt as it relates to investors' portfolios. And so we embarked on a research program to achieve exactly that. We did that with one of the leading economists in this country and a team of researchers from University of Technology in Sydney. And ultimately, by looking at a 20-year time horizon of empirical results and contrasting the real estate debt results to the other key asset classes, you know, the summary of those results are essentially that by including real estate debt in your portfolio, you will enhance portfolio returns, you will achieve downside protection and reduce volatility, and you will, importantly, increase risk-adjusted returns. So you'll be increasing your alpha, and it performs a very critical role as a portfolio diversifier in so much as real estate debt has low or negative correlations to other major asset classes. And this goes to my point that I was making earlier, Dalla, in that you can't approach commercial real estate debt with the mindset of commercial real estate equity because the research will tell you that real estate debt and real estate equity are negatively correlated. And so very important distinction to make there, I think. Martin says that considering the $17 trillion of bonds that are in the negative yielding territory, it's hard for him to find attractive yielding assets in the traditional bond markets. You know, there are currently 17 trillion bonds negative yielding. It's very hard to find yield in in the bond market. And then on the other hand, you have on the real estate debt side, 
So it's very attractive spreads, partly as a result of the banks being tight because of Basel 3 and 4 regulations in the form of your central bank, for example. He adds that Australia is attractive to many European family offices from the risk-adjusted return perspective, as well as from the geographical diversification perspective. For us, as a global allocator, we look at risk-return opportunities of the different segments and sectors on a global perspective. And there, Australia is interesting from a risk-return perspective. The other market, by the way, is Spain, which we like on the real estate debt side. And Australia has an additional attraction always for European families like us. They like Australia as a diversification from a geographical point of view, from a geopolitical point of view, the demographical trends in Australia, migration trends, household formation, even the currency we think is interesting at current levels. And then that made us allocate quite a substantial percentage of our global real estate lending to Australia currently. Wayne thinks that Australia is at an early cycle compared to other markets because of the pace of regulatory changes for banks, especially on the commercial real estate debt side. In actual fact, really the story in Australia uh, as it relates to commercial real estate debt in the non-bank sector really only began in earnest due to the structural dislocation that occurred through and post-GFC and the regulatory intervention from APRA, the Australian regulator, and that only followed many, many years later. In fact, only really started to come into effect in 2017. And the key intervention measures will only come into full effect in 2025. So in actual fact, when you look at commercial real estate debt in Australia relative to the other key markets, whether they be in North America or continental Europe, we are very early cycle compared to, to those markets. And when we think about outsized returns, and Martin is sort of spot on when he, he's referring to geopolitical, the stability here in, in the Australian market, stable government, proven and reliable rule of law. It's been particularly creditor-friendly. And, you know, it shouldn't be lost on any investors that, you know, Australia prior to the most recent technical recession, you know, which we all understand why that occurred. But we had 28 years of consecutive economic growth. So the government is in an enviable position in the sense that it has a relatively low net debt to GDP at around 44%. You know, and if you contrast that to the UK at 87, the US at circa 100% and Japan, I've lost track of, but I think is well north of 160%, that provides real firepower to stimulate the Australian economy. When we think about lending in the Australian context, I think it's well understood that the four major banks in Australia have long dominated. Some refer to it as an Aussie gobbly, and I think that's quite an apt term. As Wayne notes, the Australian lending markets have been dominated by the big four banks, ANZ, CBA, NAB, and Westpac. He explains how this happened and why it is important for investors to understand the unique characteristics of the Australian market. Australia has been, since the 1970s, in fairly active deregulation of the banking sector. What does that mean? That means the government has been actively attempting to engender more competition into the banking sector 
and that's for fairly obvious reasons. But as it relates to commercial real estate, immediately following the GFC, what we saw is the bank's share of market went from about 60% to 90%. And that happened really in the blink of an eye. And what was quite dramatic at that point in time is that two of the big four banks were allowed by the federal government to acquire the fifth and sixth largest banks. So if you just think about that for a moment in a environment where the government is actually wanting to deregulate and increase competition, they allowed two of the four major banks to effectively eliminate competition. And it's very hard from, you know, 10,000 miles away to appreciate the significance of that in the context of the last 40 years. I think that is the most significant situation that's occurred in, in the banking sector. And then what happened immediately following that is the regulator, APRA, sat there, participated in all the conversations around the Basel guidelines, but really, in essence, didn't make any meaningful changes until about 2015, and those changes didn't come into effect until 2017. So if you just think about that for a moment, that's many years after the US and UK continental European markets affected their regulatory intervention, you know, in some instances, five years, six years later, and similar sort of spreads were seen in those markets years ago. It's just that Australia is obviously early cycle in contrast to those markets. And you do see very appealing spreads and some real alpha achievable in this marketplace. Also because the non-bank sector is dominated by a large number of private fund managers. Still, many investors have noticed from the latest Federal Reserve meeting in Australia in early November that the cash rate is set at 0.1%, a historic low. According to Wayne, this change is highly relevant to real estate lending generally, since most lending in Australia is on a floating rate basis. That being said, you'll find loans that are fixed against wholesale bank bill rates that are highly correlated to the cash rate. What I found fascinating recently is the governor of the Reserve Bank effectively guaranteed the market that the cash rate would stay at 0.1% for the next three years. I don't recall a scenario where that's ever occurred before, where a governor of a central bank has come out and taken such a step. Naturally enough, that's creating a hell of a lot of activity where people can get a line of sight on what it might cost them with respect to their mortgages, which of course is, you know, at historical lows. Still, some investors might shun the commercial real estate debt asset class because of the drastic changes that we have seen since the pandemic. The way we work, commute, or shop has changed. Some of those changes might be temporary, but others might stay. Wayne also notes that investors are not seeing much activity in commercial real estate at the moment because most people aren't in offices yet. However, he's not seeing major structural challenges across the board through various life cycles of real estate. You know, what's, I think, fascinating about this crisis that I've witnessed so far is that really there's been, aside from the actual cause for the crisis, there's been no real surprises. By that, I mean, what we've seen is an acceleration of many trends. 
for example, people will say market observers may comment that, you know, traditional retail has got real problems now. Well, I would say it had some significant challenges pre-crisis. By contrast, non-discretionary retail has been highly resilient, right? You know, supermarket chains, large alcohol chains, you know, 10, 15-year leases, they're really strong COVID crisis sort of strategies. And so we're highly supportive of non-discretionary retail, but I would say, well, it was pre-crisis. You know, the focus on delivery, that last mile narrative, how to get product out to these ever-expanding residential zones, that's particularly true of the Australian context with a population that was growing at 1.5% per annum for the last 15 years, you know, which is about three times the rate of growth of most developed economies. And so we are highly acquisitive in the industrial sector. In fact, in our direct investment business, and we made a recent acquisition for ExxonMobil's um, Spotswood Terminals, that's nine hectares of prime industrial real estate in Melbourne. And so we are certainly not on our own in that respect, but prime industrial real estate across Australia is a very strong market at the moment. There's a lot of demand for it. That again was Martin Lechner and Wayne Lasky. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and PI's various titles online. For Private Debt Investor, I'm Adala Kim. Thanks for listening.